thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman washing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Feels like it should start with the EastEnders theme tune there, doesn't it? I am pregnant. Sadly, we can't use it for copyright reasons. Um, we're f- wrapping up our Deja Vu series today, um, and we're looking at timeless truth from the oldest stories. And today I'm looking at this incredibly difficult, potent, dramatic story. And I wonder whether you've ever struggled to make decisions, especially when you're tired. We've surely all had that moment when we've got in from work and gone, I'm hungry, open the fridge and go, but I don't know what for. Which, come on, I can't be the only one that's ever done that. And, you know, there's a thing called decision fatigue. And basically, it's about the energy to make decisions. And the more decisions that you make, the, the less good you become at making decisions in a single day. And that's why certain, like, high powered businessmen like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates used to just pick one outfit and have seven different versions of that outfit so they didn't have to decide what they were going to wear each day. They would have their meals pre-selected for them so that they didn't have to think at lunch, what do I want? It was just already decided for them. And actually, the decision-making part of your brain is the same part where willpower comes from. So the more tired that you get, the less good that you get at making decisions, but also making the right decisions. And sometimes it's really difficult to make the right decision. And here in this story, David has been absolutely smashing it as king right up to this point. He's brilliant. He's defeated Goliath. He's had all this amazing moment of like being a superb leader, a man of integrity, all these incredible moments David has, but everything changes in 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is David's darkest moment. It's not a good point for him. And, you know, if we think about today, if we think, you know, in this story, this is a, a political leader embroiled in a sex scandal. That's not new, is it? That is not, that's something that is from hundreds and thousands of years ago. And yet today that still happens with politicians that I share a surname with, not related to him, want to make that one clear. And I would love this talk to be really, really fun today and because I'm a fun person, but it's quite hard hitting. And so I want to make sure that we lay the foundation right today. This, this talk that I'm giving, I'm speaking as much to me as I am to anybody listening and watching in any of our locations. 
And the foundation of this is not that God is sitting on a cloud throwing lightning bolts down at us and throwing condemnation at us today. This talk comes from a foundation of a loving father who wants to speak into our circumstances, to wants to speak to you today. So I hope you hear everything that I say comes from my heart, a place of love for you, but also from God's heart, a place of love for you. And it's really, really important that we remember that throughout. And this story serves as a warning. A lot of the story of David is like inspiration for us to be in relationship with God, but this is definitely a warning. And you know, this story does focus on sex, and you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to talk loads and loads about sex. But you know, this does focus on, on, on David messing up sexually. But I'm not just going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking about how this impacts lots of different... I'm not just talking about the sex mistakes that people make. I'm talking about life's biggest messes. And this moment is called adultery. This is David sleeping with somebody who he's not married to. And what on earth happened to this man of integrity? This man who was known as a man after God's own heart. In this moment... He turns into an adulterer and it gets worse, as we're going to see in a few moments. And, you know, I want to say right from the start, all of us can lose our integrity in a moment. All of us are just a couple of poor decisions away from ending up in life's biggest messes. It can be around how we use alcohol. It can be around honesty and lies and fraud. It can be about what we write on our insurance claims, on the sick days that we claim at work. It can be around the language that we use, the gossip that we get involved in and we feed, maybe. It can be about our anger and the things that we say and do in anger. It can be around addictions, and I think that's a really big one for us to look at. And, you know, I think in this, David did four things, four key things that I really think we can learn from together. And the first is that David didn't stay engaged with the mission. And so our point is, we need to stay engaged with the mission. In verse 1, as Olga read to us, it says, In the springtime at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. And when we think of the stuff that we've seen this week, war is not a new thing. The need for power and the need for men to be in battle is not a new thing. But you know, I've been blown away by the courage of the Ukrainian president this week, seeing him on the front lines fighting, seeing one of the Klitschko brothers, who's a former boxer, who's now a mayor, being on the, imagine hand-to-hand combat with him, flipping, eh? you'd, you'd be terrified. But here, David remains in Jerusalem. It was the time when kings went off to war, but David stayed at home. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was arrogance. Maybe it was laziness. Maybe it was cowardice. Maybe it was complacency. I think it was probably complacency, to be honest. And he goes, I don't need to go, Joab, you go. I don't need to go. You, 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 you know, you you go off and do it and I'll chill here. And you see, he didn't engage with the thing that he was supposed to be doing. And that was his first step into trouble. Um, 
I remember last year when it uh, snowed a lot during, during uh, January and February, um, and I was out on our drive. Our drive is like quite an angle, um, and I'd left the car on the drive overnight, and so the, it was covered in snow, and on the Saturday morning, I was clearing it of snow, trying to get the car off, because uh, I needed it, and I'm scraping it. It was really hard work. I was getting really frustrated with it, and it, I'd left it too long. So you know when snow turns to ice, and it's really hard to get rid of. And so I, I didn't have much of the like, proper material, so I was using the dog poo shovel to try and get the ice off. I wasn't well equipped for the moment at all. And so I was quite frustrated with myself and with the situation. And just at the point where I was ready to try and get the car off the drive and onto the road, ready for me to use it, this big delivery van came and parked in the middle of our road, didn't even pull over to the sides, in the middle of the road in front of our drive. And I'm thinking to myself, can you not see that I've been clearing my drive here? Can you not see that I'm about... And this guy gets out and he's delivering food to somebody and so he's, he's taking it. And in my head, I'm having this conversation where I'm going to say, I'm going to tell this fellow what I think in a minute. And I'm having this conversation and this narrative. And just at the point where I was ready to tell him exactly what I thought of him, he walked back out to the van. He caught my eye, I looked at him. And as I was about to say something, he went, oh... You're Andy from Life Central, aren't you? <laughs> and suddenly everything changed. I went from angry to, hi, uh, yeah, how are you? How may I pastorally support you? <laughs> See, in that moment, I wasn't engaged with the mission that I'm on. Like, the mission that we're all on as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. In that moment, I'd switched off from it and I was ready to have it out with a delivery guy. And if you're watching today, let me say, it was all me. I apologise. Please forgive me. I apologise before you and before the Lord. <laughs> and see, in that moment, I disengaged with the mission that I'm on and I nearly got myself into a lot of trouble in that moment. You see, when we're not in the place that we were supposed to be, we put ourselves at risk of getting into places and messes that we're not supposed to be. So stay engaged with the mission of God. Stay engaged when you're driving your car, when you're in your workplace, when you're in your school or college, when you go to a party. Stay engaged with the mission of God. The second thing is recognise your vulnerability. David didn't recognise that he was vulnerable because in verse 2 it says this, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. You know, because when you wake up in the middle of the night, you go for a walk on, your house, on the roof of your house, don't you? David has broken sleep, he's tired, he's exhausted, and he gets up and he goes for a wander, and he doesn't realise that this is a moment where he's vulnerable. You see, clinical psychologists say that we're more likely to make poor decisions, we're more likely to feed an addiction when we are blast, and blast stands for this, it's bored, lonely, angry, stressed, and tired. When we are those things, we are more likely to make poor decisions. For me, personally, it's probably those bottom three, angry, stressed, and tired. You could probably throw hungry in there as well, for me. When we are these things, we are more likely to make poor decisions. And so we have to recognize when we are these things, recognizing that we're bored, that we're lonely, all of these things, if we recognize them, we can understand that we're vulnerable to making poor decisions. I had a friend who um, knew that when he was tired, he would make poor decisions. And it was back in the days when the naughty magazines used to be kept on the top shelf of petrol stations. 
and uh, we would be working together and filling up the van on the way home late at night, and he would just go to me and go, I ain't got the energy to make a good decision, so I'm just going to look down. And literally, he would walk into petrol stations like this because he knew his vulnerabilities. He knew the moment that he was tired and what he was vulnerable to, and so he did something about it. You know, sometimes we can fall and make bad decisions because we're in a good place where things are going well and arrogance creeps in and complacency creeps in. We can think we're special and we're untouchable. Maybe you make bad decisions when you lose heart, when you have a bad day at work, when there's disappointments, when you've been discouraged. What I want to say is know when you're vulnerable. Know your triggers, know the things that make you go into a spiral where you know, understand your own temperament and personality. And if you can't do that, begin to ask God, show me the times and the areas that I'm vulnerable. The third thing is that David gave in to curiosity, so don't give in to curiosity. You see, in verse two, there's no sin. When he goes for a walk on the roof and he spots Bathsheba, there's no sin. He's not done anything wrong the moment he engages his senses is when he begins to sin. You know, for, for me, since Christmas, I've been, I've been on a little bit of a diet. I've been trying to eat better, trying to cut out the bad foods, uh, trying to do a little bit more exercise. And so since Christmas, I've avoided things like this delicious chocolate cake that looks so good, doesn't it? I've been avoiding these and even just, just taking the lid of the cloche that's what this is called. Just taking that off, just, just, oh, so good, you know. Oh, that's my, I'm going to go in for another one. That's really good. Just, I've just missed it, you know. You know when you've just had like rice cakes and carrots for, for a couple of months, just, that is, so, you know, I'm just, just, just a little, just a little taste. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, it's a perfect, I had my breakfast about seven o'clock this morning as well. So I'm just at that point where like getting a little bit hungry. I could do with like a bit of pre-lunch cake. And just, has, any, has anyone got a knife or anything like that? Like, I could just have a little sliver. Do you know what I mean? Like I deserve, I've worked hard so far today. I, I deserve a little, little slice of cake maybe. If, do you know, if I didn't need this cake for the second service, I'd probably take a bite right now. <laughs> Just straight, like, Bruce Bog Trotter. You see what's happened there? I engaged my senses. Gone in for a little sniff, a little taste. See, what I should have done is gone, oh, there's a cake there. I'll put the cloche back on and walk away from it. Because it's not good for me diet. And you see, what David should have done is gone, oh, there's a girl having a bath on the roof over there. Because that's normal behaviour. He should, he should have gone, I'm going to go back to bed. But what he did went, oh, there's a girl having a bath on the roof there. Pass us those binoculars. <laughs> and he goes in for a little, another look. And at that point, that's where it all starts to go wrong. He engages his curiosity. And we do it. We go, oh, it's just, it's just a little flirt in the office. It's not harmful. It's just, it's just soft porn. It's not the hardcore stuff. Just having a little look. It's just, it's just a little lie. It's just a little, little thing that I've manipulated. It's just a little thing that I've added to that insurance claim. It's just, it's just two pints. I can drive on two pints. I can handle two pints. 
Like, it's those little compromises, those little giving in and leaning in that mean that we end up in life's biggest messes. So I think rather than asking, what can I get away with, we should be asking, what can I do to make sure I never end up in that mess? So many, nobody ever plans to get divorced. Nobody ever plans to become an alcoholic or a drug addict. Nobody ever plans to end up in a mess. It's just that we don't plan not to. And so maybe the thing that we need to do is say, what's the wise thing to do here? Maybe you need to think about moving your desk in your office, changing who you sit next to. Maybe it's thinking about those wise things. The final thing that David doesn't do that we should do is pay attention to the warning signs. I think God is gracious enough that when we're approaching life's messes, he throws little roadblocks in our way and little moments for us to go, hang on a minute, I should rethink this. And he does it for David because when he asks what her name is, it comes back, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, David had this group of fellows called the Mighty Men and there was about 30 of them. They were his closest friends, his most trusted warriors. Eliam and Uriah the Hittite were both part of the mighty men. When David heard that, he should have gone, these are my mates. This is, I should back away here. But he doesn't. He's determined to go through with it. And I've sat with friends. I've sat in coffee shops with young people who just are determined that they're going to do the thing that they want to do because they're following what they want rather than listening to the advice and the red flags that are coming up in those moments. I heard um, Rob Parsons speak a few weeks ago. He's the head of care, care for the family. He's an amazing guy, and, and that organization does incredible things. And he said, a guy came to see him uh, in his office one day, and he said, I'm leaving my wife for another woman, but I thought I should come and talk to you, so I've got two minutes. What have you got to say? And the guy said, Rob said, well, why don't you take a seat? And Rob said, let me tell you what the next two years look like. He said, it's going to be really exciting. He said, the sex will be incredible. The conversation will be gripping. You'll feel like you're a teenager again. And he said, around about in two years' time, ordinary will come back. And the ordinary life will set in. And you'll begin to wonder what your kids look like when they wake up in the morning. Because you, you see them at weekends, yeah, that's great, but you don't see them every day. He says, you'll, you'll then begin to wonder why your wife's dress size was more important than the content of her character. And they talked further about it. And Rob said he left his office that day and he never seen him for another couple of years. And three years later, he's seen him at a Christian conference and he came up to him and he said, Rob, I want to thank you for what you said. He said, because it gave me one almighty kick up the bottom, but he didn't use the word bottom. And he said, my wife is behind me. We're working stuff through. See, God is gracious enough to give us warning signs. Listen to the people that have influence in your life. Listen to the wisdom of your connect group leaders, the people that you look up to. Pay attention to the warning signs. I think God always gives us a chance to step back and go, whoa, I need to change something here. And maybe today is that. Maybe today God's saying to you, I'm bringing this thing up because it's not too late to avoid the mess. And so David and Bathsheba, they sleep together, they conceive. And what David does is rather than bringing it up and talking to somebody, he, he makes it worse by trying to cover it up. 
And the secrecy and the lies make it go even deeper. And he, he gets Uriah back from the front lines of war and he tries to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba and he doesn't. And so he gets Uriah drunk and Uriah still won't sleep with Bathsheba. And so David, what he does is he goes, right, I'm going to send you back to war and sends him back basically on a suicide mission and tells Joab to put him where the, where the fighting is at the fiercest and Uriah gets killed in battle. And suddenly, this man of integrity, the guy who was picked to be king of Israel, the guy who is a man after God's own heart, is suddenly an adulterer, a liar, a murderer. Like, what has happened to this man of integrity? You see, no matter how much God uses us, or maybe you're not a Christian, no matter how good you are, we're all still vulnerable to these messes. We are all still vulnerable. I am still vulnerable to these mistakes. I know full well, Stuart said it at Life Central Midweek, I know full well preaching this message, I'm gonna be tested on this in the next month. You see, we're all vulnerable to making a mess of life. In the past few months, I've heard of a friend who, who was doing well in the Christian world, who's now left his wife for a colleague. You know, I, I think of Premier League footballers who are ending up with their life in a mess. I don't think they got up one day and said, you know, I'm going to get involved in this thing and that thing and become violent towards him. I think what happens is they think they're untouchable and they make one decision and it becomes a slippery slope, one after the other, and suddenly they're in a massive mess. These guys who look like they've got everything and they end up in a mess. All of us are vulnerable. Please do not sit there. I know that the odds are that somebody watching and listening to this will end up having an affair one day. I know that the odds are many people watching and listening to this will be addicted to pornography, will be in some level of mess in life. I know that. But I know that many of us won't be. But let's not be arrogant to say that we're sorted and we've got it all nailed. We need to be aware that we're all vulnerable to life's messes. And David eventually, he's confronted by a prophet called Nathan and, and he comes to him and he challenges him on it and David confesses to it all. And it, what David has to do in that moment is he has to face the consequences. And the next few chapters of the Bible are all about David facing the consequences of his actions. And so he faces those consequences and he comes to a place of repentance and repentance is an old religious word, a theological word that I'm going to explain in a few moments' time, but you might get it from this bit. You know, David wrote most of the book of Psalms. Loads of it's really joyful and about how great God is, but some of it's really raw and really real. And you know, in Psalm 51, they reckon David wrote this after what had happened with Bathsheba. And he says this, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion, because that's who God is. He's a compassionate God. Blot out my transgressions. And later on in verse 10, he says this, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is a prayer of repentance. And repentance literally means to stop going in the direction that you're going, to turn around and go the other way which is what he should have done in the start. It's what I should have done before I tasted the cake, is that you stop what you're doing, you turn the other way, and you go in the opposite direction. 
And the amazing thing is, is after all of this mess, all of these poor decisions, when David comes and he repents and he becomes before God and says, God, create a pure heart in me. Hundreds of years later, the book of Acts is written in the New Testament. And it says this about David. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour, Jesus, as he promised. Jesus is the one who can set us free from this stuff. Jesus is the one through which we can have right relationship with God. When we mess up, forgiveness comes through what Jesus did on the cross. And what I love is David's poor decisions, David's mess didn't disqualify him from what God wanted to do through him. Because even after all of this, Jesus came from the bloodline of David. Guys, the mess that you might be in or the mess that you may find yourself in doesn't disqualify you from God using you. But there might be a time where you need to face the consequences of it. That you need to come and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I've messed this up. God, I've got this wrong. See, Jesus paid the price for us so that we can come before God and say we're sorry. And he offers us unbelievable forgiveness. And so maybe, maybe you need to do that today. And so what I want to do is invite you in, in this location and in the locations watching to, to stand for a moment. And we're, we're going to go into singing a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. It says, the Father's arms are open wide. And you know, I'm not today just talking about sex mistakes and sex-related things. It may well be that you've compromised on your integrity in certain ways. It might be around alcohol. It might be around substances. It might be around anything. Maybe you just want to take a moment now to say, God, would you, would you search my heart? And would you show me if there's anything within that I need to repent from, that I need to turn from, that I need to stop going in that direction and turn around and go the other way. And so while we sing this song, I want to invite you, if you know that you need to do business with God today, if you know that you there's some stuff that you need to repent from, if you're able to, I want to invite you to, to kneel as we begin to sing. Just kneel and as a physical representation of you coming before God and saying, God, I, I humble myself before you and I say, I'm sorry. I know that I'm getting into a mess or I know that I need to repent of this. And just do business with God today. And so we're going to sing this song and then we're going to see what else God might want to do. If you can't kneel, then I want to invite you to sit in any of our locations or if you're watching at home, I want to encourage you to not miss this moment, this moment of a gracious, loving God 
wanting to meet with you today. So God, I pray that you would come and you're already here by the power of your spirit. Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to do what you are asking us to do in this moment. Jesus, I pray that lives might be changed. We thank you for that story with Rob Parsons. God, I pray that there might be moments like that right now. And so Jesus, I pray for an insane amount of courage. And Jesus, I pray that we would know that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so God, may we experience your love and your grace and your compassion and your heart for us. Not as leaders and whatever it is that we might do, but as your children. And so Jesus, I pray in all of our locations, in the homes that are watching online, for an incredible sense of your spirit. Jesus, would you come and meet with us as we come to your altar. Amen.